Welcome back to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The Men's World Cup is over, but now it's time for the women. I'm going to have Women's World Cup episodes all summer long, breaking down all the storylines and all the fun. My name is Peter Roman. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And let's dive right in. Welcome to the world's game. Thank you for listening in. It's finally here. My first live reaction episode. So what I did for the Men's World Cup was I recorded live reactions every every few days or so, typically. And I would just discuss the games that went on. And so basically to start out with, you know, I'm going to talk about each game for like a few minutes during the group stages. And then as we get further into the tournament, the more in-depth I will talk about every single game. So today's episode is going to be groups A through D. Unfortunately, because of my crazy schedule over the last week, I am a little behind on watching games. So I'll have to finish watching the games from group G and group E a little bit later. And I'm hoping I can record again tomorrow for my second episode, my groups D, sorry, groups E through H reaction. We'll have to wait and see though. But today, groups A through D match day one, and then what to look forward to in match day two. So we're gonna start with the opening game of the tournament, which was played between New Zealand and Norway. New Zealand won this game one to nothing, their first ever win at a World Cup, men's or women's. So First, congratulations to New Zealand. Also, have to give them a big round of applause because it was a record-breaking crowd, the biggest attended football match in New Zealand history, again, men's or women's. So, bravo to New Zealand for that. And let's talk about the game. So, New Zealand not only won this game, but they 100% deserve the win. New Zealand... They almost came out of, they went into the game and then like, the best way I can describe it is they were shot out of a cannon. And I mean that in the best way. They felt the energy, they felt the moment, they embraced the moment, and they just came out with nonstop energy, nonstop intensity. And it felt like the entire game, they just had a relentless energy about them. That really, really made it difficult for the Norwegians in this game. Norway struggled to maintain possession. It felt like every time there was a loose ball and there was two people chasing after it, it was always the New Zealand player coming out on top as opposed to the Norwegian player. So I have to give a lot of credit to New Zealand. They played really well in this game, fully deserved the win. Probably should have been 2-0 in the final score, but they ended up missing a penalty kick. Their goal, by the way, as well, which I'm going to break down here, that goal they scored, I mean, it was a thing of beauty. It was an absolute thing of beauty. It rivals any team goal you've ever seen. And here's how it went down. So Bowen launched a long ball basically from the penalty box, like from the back, all the way off. And then it was Bot who laid it off to... um, in. Indaya Page Riley. Again, if I butcher any names, as I said in my preview show, I really apologize if I butcher names. I do try my best. But Page Riley ended up putting in just a 
best way I can describe it was just a perfect, perfect driven long pass into the path of hand who then crossed it in for Hannah Wilkinson who buried in into the back of the net. Norway never touched the ball. It was seemingly all like one touch, two touch football and the passes were picture perfect. So truly, truly incredible, incredible goal from New Zealand and more than worthy of winning any football match, let alone this one. So that was New Zealand's goal. I also mentioned, yeah, they did miss a penalty kick towards the end of the game, but they got the result. That was more important. For Norway, this was a really, really difficult game for them. They really struggled to impose their their will. They played a little bit better towards the end of the game when they were down a goal, but I think it, that was just because New Zealand were sitting back a little bit more. Graham Hansen was definitely Norway's best player. Hegerberg really struggled. Also, not a lot of service. But, like, honestly, outside of Graham Hansen, not a lot of great performances on the Norwegian side of things. Not a good game for them. Uh, Tuva Hansen was the one who ended up hitting the crossbar for them. That was their closest chance to score. But they really didn't have that many high danger chances. And New Zealand fully deserving the win. For Norway, they'll have to try and bounce back. For New Zealand... I mean, you can only go up from here at this point. You got a big-time win in your opening game. Can you build off that momentum into your next game? I'm going to talk about match day two here in a minute, but let's get to the other game in Group A, which was the Philippines and Switzerland. So, Switzerland won this game 2 to nothing. Probably should have been a little bit higher scoring, but you know what? I have to give credit to the Philippines. I thought... Overall, their defending in this game was really, really good. Sadly, they didn't generate a whole lot of offense outside of they had a very good chance in the very early part of the game, and they actually scored, but it was taken back for offside because of VAR. It was quite clearly offside, but, you know, could have been a truly spectacular moment for the Philippines. Sadly, wasn't meant to be. Outside of that, they really really didn't create a lot of scoring chances. Switzerland, you know, you could tell immediately. Like, they're a lot more talented. They were able to move the ball really well. I think the Swiss... Generally, I think they played all right in this game. They just, you know, need a little more of a finishing touch, I think, which could be their Achilles heel at some point in this tournament. But, you know, you got the win. That's more important in this game. And, you know, you outshot them 17-3. to Like, that's that's a pretty dominant performance even if the result didn't say that it was also a dominant performance. Bachmann scored the first goal for the Swiss. That was off a penalty kick. And then it was Piubel who scored in the 64th minute to secure the 2-0 win. So, those were the games in match day one. So now let's look ahead to match day two. So in match day two, New Zealand gets to play the Philippines and Switzerland will face off with Norway. Norway, I mean, if they lose to the Swiss, it might be curtains for them because it's going to be really, really difficult for them to advance to the knockouts if they lose their next game. So for Norway, it is a must win or at least get a tie against Switzerland. Switzerland, though, with a win more than likely in the knockout stage. Same thing with New Zealand. New Zealand plays the Philippines. A win for New Zealand more than likely in the knockout stage. And for the Philippines, just like with Norway, they are kind of fighting for their life. 
It'll be very difficult, though, because they had a sellout crowd for the opening game in New Zealand. The crowd was into it. The crowd was loud. And it is a hostile environment going into a sellout crowd like that. So it will not be easy for the Philippines. But we'll see if New Zealand can keep up that kind of tempo that they had in the first game. Or if maybe there's a little bit of a, you know, back-to-earth reality with the second game. Because it is really hard to sustain that level of energy they had in the opening match. Should be interesting to watch either way. But the key things to look out for in match day two. Norway fighting for their life. Philippines fighting for their life. New Zealand trying to make history and make the knockouts and Switzerland also trying to make the knockouts. All right, so that's Group A. On to Group B. So, Group B, we'll start with Australia versus Ireland. And just like with New Zealand before them, the co-host Australia also had a record crowd in attendance at Australia Stadium. And again, just I love the fact that you know, at least for the, you know, I get that not every game in this tournament and even in the men's World Cups, not every single game is going to be like a sellout sellout, but at least the home team, the home team should be selling out. And I'm glad that Australia and New Zealand essentially are. With Australia, though, there was some big news before the game and not so great news. So Sam Kerr, their striker and their best player, literally this was like an hour before the game. News came out that she apparently suffered a injury in training. And it is a calf injury, I believe, if I remember correctly. And so Sam Kerr is now out for the first two games of the tournament. So she missed this game against Ireland. She will miss the next game against Nigeria and could be back for the Canada game. But I think that will depend on what kind of situation it is going into the Canada game, which I'll talk about a little bit later. So... That's a big loss, first and foremost, and that's awful. It sucks that Sam Kerr is hurt. But of course, you know, if you're Australia, well, you know, no one's going to feel sorry for you. You got to find a way to go out there and play even without your best player. And they did. Now, Ireland, I don't think, presented a whole lot of problems for the Australian defense. But Australia also struggled to create offensive chances. And that's where, you know, having a player like Sam Kerr makes a big difference. Ireland, to me, just they came out to defend in this game, which makes sense. You want to kind of draw the crowd out a little bit, right? You know, Australia, like most host nations, right? Kind of buzzing for the first little bit. They're, you know, high energy, all these things that, you know, if you can weather the storm of the, of the hostile environment for a little bit, it tends to get easier as the game goes on. Unfortunately for Ireland, there wasn't a whole lot for them going offensively, which makes sense. They were a team... They're a team that kind of struggles to score sometimes. So for Australia, though, the only goal they got in this game was off a penalty kick. It was basically just a really dumb shove in the back. Just, I don't know, right, like not reckless defending, but like silly, careless defending from, from the uh, Republic of Ireland. And so penalty kick, and it was Steph Catley who stepped up and put it in the top shelf. Perfect penalty kick. 1-0 Australia, and they were able to hold on to that lead to secure the 1-0 win in their opening match. And so, considering the fact that Sam Kerr literally got hurt like 24 hours prior, that's pretty good. They came in with their best, without their best player, got the win they needed, and now they're in a much better position going into the second match day than the next team I'm about to talk about, my team, Canada. For those of you that don't know, I am Canadian. I live in Canada. 
And Canada ended up tying Nigeria nil-nil. Not a single goal scored in this game. So, what happened in this game? Well, Canada were definitely the better team in this game. They did have more of the ball. They did have more of the chances. But to me, that doesn't matter because, number one, Nigeria still had a few like goal-scoring chances themselves that, you know, maybe on another, on another day they could have scored and, you know, maybe think, made things a little scary for Canada. But anyway, Canada were able to get through this game without losing it. But I was really disappointed. There just weren't that many scoring chances for Canada. Now, I have to give credit to Nigeria. I think they defended super well in this game. They really neutralized just a lot of the Canadian attacks that they tried to create. The crosses just weren't, like, they weren't hitting uh, the right players. And, yeah, Nigeria did a really good job. Their goalkeeper also made some good saves in this game. So, ultimately, it's disappointing for Canada because, obviously, you'd expect to get a win in this game. For Nigeria, though, huge opening result because they get the tie with Canada. They do have to play Australia next, which isn't great. But, like, without Sam Kerr... Maybe you could get an, another tie, and then all you have to do is beat Ireland, and you're probably through to the knockouts. Not a terrible position to be in if you're Nigeria, but of course, they have to actually go out and do it. For Canada, tough result. Not the end of the world, right? You know, if they can win their next game, then it's less of a problem. But it is still concerning that they weren't able to generate as many scoring chances as they should have. Maybe if they change their lineup a little bit, maybe if VN starts, maybe that'll make a difference. I'm not sure. Canada did have a penalty kick in this game, which, you know, they should have scored on, but Christine Sinclair, unfortunately, the greatest player in the women's national team history for Canada, she, um, let's just say, put in a horrible penalty kick, like a really horrible penalty kick. And I don't know if it's just, you know, maybe she's not good at them anymore. She used to be really good at penalty kicks, but that penalty was really bad. And so Canada, sadly, didn't get the result because of that. I know Sinclair's probably beating herself up, but I mean, I just don't think Canada played that well overall. And even the penalty kick, it was like, yeah, Sinclair got tripped in the box. But, you know, it's not like it was some great move Canada made to, like, create the penalty kick. It was more like... You know, oh, it was a mistake by the Nigerian defender more than anything else. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said, for the next match day, we have Nigeria versus Australia, and we have Republic of Ireland versus Canada. The Republic of Ireland definitely needs some kind of result against Canada. A loss probably knocks them out. And for Nigeria, I think a tie would do them very well, although obviously you want to try and win every single game. For Australia... If they can find a way to win again without Sam Kerr, that puts them in a tremendous position going into the game against Canada because they might be in a spot where they don't even need to play Sam Kerr for that final game and they can just rest her for the round of 16 when they'll actually probably need her. So, will be interesting to watch Group B's games in the second match day and that's pretty much all I have for that. So, let's move on to Group C. Group C, we had two dominant wins, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, just because, to me, they're pretty similar stories. So, we'll start with Spain-Costa Rica. Spain won 3-0 in this game over Costa Rica. Unfortunately for Costa Rica, the men's and women's teams are both um, not great against Spain. Spain clearly has some, has some kind of, like, 
huge mental advantage or something over the men's and women's teams of Costa Rica. But Spain completely dominant in this game. The shots in this game, by the way, were 46 to 1. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen 46 shots in a World Cup game before. So if that doesn't tell you how dominant it was, I don't know what will. Spain also should have had a fourth goal, but the penalty kick ended up being saved. Not a good penalty kick, but there was an own goal to start the game, and it didn't get much better for Costa Rica. The second goal, Bomati scored, I thought, a really nice goal. Good curling shot into the bottom corner. And then the third goal from Gonzalez, who ball basically hit the post and she scored the rebound so yeah nice and easy job done for Spain probably a little disappointed that they maybe didn't get more goals to pad their goal difference especially considering what Japan did but still a great result for Spain and they're off and running for Costa Rica yeah that was uh that was pretty rough I mean it can only get go up from here you hope but yeah I said it was going to be a tough group stage for them, and it's looking like it's probably going to be. Next up, we have Japan and Zambia. Japan won this game 5-0 over Zambia. In my opinion, I think Japan... Now, granted, I need to clarify this. I haven't watched the Germany-Morocco game yet, and I know what the score is, but at least of the games I've watched, Japan by far the most dominant of any of the teams I've seen so far. They won 5-0 against Zambia. The shots in this game were 25 to nothing. Japan, they're just such a technically and like they're a technically gifted team, but they're also just so intelligent. They always know where to be. They're really, really smart about the way they dissect defenses. And Zambia had no chance in this game. It was five nothing, but it was actually eight nothing. Japan had three goals taken away for different reasons. So five nothing was the final, but they scored eight times. And yeah, it was just it was too easy. It was way too easy. It felt like a training run game for Japan in this one. And, you know, Zambia's defense was never that great to begin with, but, like, they just had nothing. Zambia had absolutely nothing in this game. Japan all over them. Miyazawa scored the first goal of the game for Japan, finishing off a cross. Tanaka had two of the disallowed goals for Japan, but she ended up scoring the second goal of the game. Miyazawa scored the third. Endo with the fourth, and the fifth one was a penalty kick. The Zambian goalkeeper, by the way, also got a red card for this because it was a second yellow, and then the penalty kick was given. It had to be retaken once, but Japan ended up scoring, and so 5 nothing the final. So, yeah. Yeah. Group C, not a lot of excitement. It was more just impressive. It's looking like that game against... Or the game in the third match day, I should say, between Japan and Spain will almost certainly decide first place in this group. And in these uh, in the upcoming match day, we have Zambia versus Spain, and we have Costa Rica versus Japan. Obviously, Zambia and Costa Rica both have to win in order to have any chance, but, man, after watching them in the first game, like, I don't have a lot of high hopes for that. I think Japan and Spain will likely win their second games pretty comfortably, and then it'll just be a matchup against each other. So that's all I got for Group C. On to Group D. So Group D actually had a little more excitement. We'll start with the Denmark-China game that I thought was the most important. So overall, I would say it was a pretty even game. I think Denmark and China both pretty evenly matched teams, and I think the game sort of showed that. Denmark, I thought, had a little bit better chances, like as far as high-danger chances that you can actually score on. And I thought they played better later in the game as well. So I think China maybe 
got a little bit tired towards the end of the game. Denmark, it felt like they were, you know, they still had some fresh legs left in them at the end of the game. And in the end, they ended up getting a late winner in this game. Denmark scored with a header from a corner kick in order to win the game. So, huge result for Denmark, getting the three points over China, and that puts them in a very good position going into the next match. For China, sadly, not enough high-danger chances. They just need to be able to create more. Now, Denmark is a good defensive team, but China still need to... They need to find a way to create more offensive chances because, you know, I just don't think there was enough high-danger chances to win enough games, but we'll have to wait and see. And so, that's pretty much all I have for this game. You know, Denmark with the late winner, pretty evenly matched defensive game, not a whole lot else to say. And then we have England versus Haiti. This game, in my opinion, was the most shocking result of the entire group stage so far. And I know France drew Jamaica, which I'll talk about in my next episode, but England almost could have lost this game, honestly. So England did win this game 1-0. So if you're looking at glass half full perspective, England got the win and they got the three points. There's not a lot else to be positive about in this game, at least in my opinion. Now, England did outshoot Haiti 21-7 in this game. But I think Haiti had just as many high-danger chances, if not more, than England did. Haiti also, just their speed, especially on the wing, was a real problem for the England defense. England really struggled with the Haitian speed in this game. And honestly, if Haiti just, if they were able to finish just a little bit better... This could have been a Haiti win instead of an England win. And I don't say that, you know, like I I know how crazy that sounds, but it's true. Haiti really played well in this game. And, you know, it felt like a night and day difference. I've seen Haiti play in like the CONCACAF like championship and stuff like that. This team that I saw on the field of the World Cup, completely different. They looked so much better than anything I saw in CONCACAF from Haiti. So... Again, I have to give huge credit to Haiti. They played extremely well in this game. But England really, really struggled with the speed. England really struggled to defend in this game. And if they're, you know, like, they were lucky that Haiti couldn't finish. But when they face the elite teams, those elite teams can finish. They can put the ball in the back of the net a lot better than Haiti can. So I I would be kind of worried about this result for England. As far as the goal in this game, it was just a handball in the box. It was a really dumb handball, too. I don't know why... Louis just basically stuck her arm up in the air, and it, yeah, I don't know. Really, really dumb penalty, but Stanway stepped up. First penalty was saved. Keeper came off for a line, though, and then the second penalty was dispatched into the back of the net. So, England got the result, but Haiti should feel great about the way they played, and they only lost by one, which means goal diff, because goal difference does matter in these tournaments. Haiti play China next. So, in the second match day, Haiti versus China, if one of those teams loses, they're probably out. But if one of them wins, they have a chance. And so Haiti, I think, should feel confident that they have a chance to beat a team like China. And if they can, we'll have a very fun, exciting final finish to this group. Denmark, they play England in match day two. Both teams are sitting on three points after their 1-0 wins. So for both teams, a win in the second game more than likely will get them out of the group. We'll have to see if England can bounce back and play a little better 
than they did in the opening game. And we'll see if Denmark can muster up some more late magic to secure another victory. We'll have to wait and see. So, that's it. That's all I got for today's episode. We had Group A, Group B, Group C, and Group D live reactions. So, once I finish watching enough of the other games, I will be recording and doing Group E, F, G, and H. There's also one more game. At the time I'm recording this, there's one more game that has to be played for Match Day 1 as well, just because uh, Colombia still has to play their game tonight against South Korea. So, should be fun to watch. But either way, the group stage is underway. Match day one is very, very nearly in the books. And we're moving on to match day two. And before you know it, we'll be in the quarterfinals. That's how these tournaments go. They go by real fast. And so, be on the lookout for my next episode coming in the next few days. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The music is from Pixabay. There will be new episodes throughout the Women's World Cup, so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2023 World Cup.